Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Remain standing for today's reading from Mark 6, verses 1 through 13. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He would not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them the authority over over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whatever you, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if at any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's passage comes from the Gospel of Mark. It's an odd passage, consisting of two stories that at first glance don't seem to go together. For me, this is kind of one of those weird, difficult texts. First, we have this story about Jesus who travels back to his hometown. Jesus had previously been operating around the Sea of Galilee, using Capernaum as his home base. And for the first five chapters of Mark, we see that he was having a pretty successful ministry. He's cast out demons, healed the sick, offered forgiveness. He ate with sinners, preached in synagogues, taught by lakesides, calmed a storm, and officially anointed the 12 disciples. He has crowds coming from all over to listen to him teach and watch him perform these miracles. Then he makes his way back to his hometown. Visiting home. Atlanta is a transplant city, so many of us know what it's like to travel back home. We usually have certain expectations of what that trip will be like. Maybe we expect to see people we haven't seen in a while. We go and drive by our old stomping grounds or homes we lived in or old high schools. Every time Andrew and I travel back home, I always take a deep breath as I cross the Mississippi state line. There is this overwhelming sense of comfort. I know that I will see my old friends. I will get to visit my childhood church 
And most importantly, I'll get a Mississippi mud milkshake and cheese curds from the velvet cream. When traveling back home, we usually expect more or less for things to be the same. And we realize that they are, but different at the same time. And it's often hard to identify what has changed the most. And I think it usually turns out to be us who did most of the changing. But if nothing else, when we go home, we at least expect to be welcomed. So Jesus ends up setting up camp in his hometown, preaching at his home church, and he doesn't get the warm welcome we might expect. Isn't that the carpenter, they said? Wait, isn't that Mary's son? You see, they knew Jesus. They watched him grow up, and they didn't understand how this little boy from Nazareth grew up able to speak in such wisdom and perform miracles. They didn't believe it. And because of their disbelief, Jesus was not able to perform any miracles there except to heal a few people. The scripture says that Jesus was appalled by their disbelief. Okay, and then in verse 7, we have this sudden change in setting. And it says that Jesus traveled through the surrounding villages and called for the disciples to go out in pairs and do ministry. Jesus gives them very specific instructions on what to take with them as they go and basically prepares them for the worst. In my own paraphrase, Jesus says, You will encounter people who just don't get it. But don't let those people get you down. Shake the dust off your sandals and keep going. Because the mission of Christ can and will regroup, refocus, and continue. So they went out and they continued on in successful ministry. The text says that they cast out demons and they anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So initially when I was reading these two stories, it was difficult for me to see how they related. Why on earth would the lectionary put them together? We have Jesus' awkward hometown welcome and the sending out of the 12 disciples to do ministry. And then I got to thinking, these disciples left their homes and families to follow Jesus. Jesus called the disciples to come, and they came, and their lives were forever changed. And the Gospel of Mark makes it very clear that the disciples stayed with Jesus from the day they were called. Oftentimes, they were even mentioned by name in the text during specific events. Mark talks a lot about the disciples, and that's true for our text today. Chapter 6, verse 1 says, and the disciples followed him. Mark wants us to know that the disciples were there, and they have been there this whole time. So they were there. They were there in the synagogue while Jesus' home crowd questioned and doubted him. They heard whispers from the congregants. They sat back in the pews and witnessed Jesus unable to form miracles due to the congregation's lack of faith. 
they see Jesus appalled by this disbelief. The disciples were there. And then shortly after this particular hometown visit, they are all rounded up and sent out in pairs to do their own ministry. Like I mentioned earlier, Jesus gives them pretty specific instructions on what they could and could not take with them as they go. They're not to take any food or money. Literally, all they can have is a staff to ward off wild animals and the clothes on their back. They are to rely on the hospitality of the neighboring villages for what they need. So the more I read and study these two stories, the more I began to notice this theme of hospitality. The disciples just witnessed the lack of hospitality in Nazareth when Jesus preached in the synagogue. And then right after, they are sent off to rely on the hospitality of others for what they need. Now that's what I call faith. They just saw their teacher rejected by the people who should have welcomed him. And now they are expected to survive on the kindness of strangers. And I read this and I feel challenged. I feel challenged not in a, oh, could I have done that if I was them kind of way. But I feel challenged today in 2018. Could I be entirely dependent on the hospitality of others? What does that even look like? I was reminded of a book I read a few years ago called Under the Overpass. And this book was written by a man named Mike. And the blurb on the back of the book states that in his life went from upper middle class plush to scum of the earth repulsive overnight by his own choice. He traveled from Washington, D.C. to San Diego as a homeless man for five months. Not for a project or in response to a dare, but he said he needed to know if his faith in God was real. If he could actually be the Christian he said he was, apart from the comforts he'd always known. I think Mike was a modern-day disciple. Though he chose to be homeless as a test of his faith, He still relied on the hospitality of those he encountered on a daily basis to survive. The hospitality of individuals, of nonprofit organizations, and of churches. And that really got me thinking. Like, even if my faith were not strong enough to rely on the hospitality of others, like Mike talked about in his book, then at least am I being the kind of person that others can rely on. I'm a firm believer in the body of Christ, the beauty of the body of Christ. Paul talks about in Corinthians how we all have different gifts and talents and how all of those gifts and talents are equally needed to fulfill God's purpose. We are not all called to do and be the same. But we are all called to exhibit the love of Christ in a dying world. Even if my faith were not strong enough to rely on the hospitality of others, then at least am I being the kind of person that others can rely on. 
As I prayed and studied this week about hospitality and what kind of church God calls us to be, what I couldn't get out of my head was the images of our brothers and sisters at the border. These children locked up, sleeping on the floor, separated from their parents. These people who are created in the image of God, who are fleeing from dire circumstances, seeking refuge. They, like Jesus and the disciples, need the kindness of strangers to survive. Surely what we're providing as a country, what other Christians are advocating, is not the radical hospitality God calls us to. Because Christian hospitality is the active desire to invite, welcome, receive, and care for those who are strangers so that they can find a physical and spiritual home and discover for themselves the unending richness of life in Christ. This is the body of Christ with open arms. People need to know that God loves them that they are valuable, that their life is significant. People need to know that we don't believe in America first, but we believe that Jesus is Lord, and he calls us to usher in the kingdom of God in ways that our world might not understand. People need to know that they are not alone, and that when they face life's difficulties, they are surrounded by a community of grace. That they do not have to figure out for themselves how to cope with hunger or violence or self-doubt or mental illness or periods of hopelessness or economic hardship or whatever else life throws their way. People need to know the peace that runs deeper than the absence of conflict. The hope that sustains them even through the most painful periods of grief. And the sense of belonging that blesses them and stretches them and lifts them out of their darkness. People need to learn how to offer and accept forgiveness. How to serve and be served. People need to know that God loves them. Now, that's the kind of message I want to share. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. I think sometimes we forget that church has something to offer, something to offer that people need, something that people are searching for. Jesus sent out the disciples to spread the good news of the gospel, relying on the hospitality of others. The motto of the United Methodist Church is open hearts, open minds, open doors. We are part of a church and a denomination who believes in Christian hospitality, a type of hospitality that senses a calling and responsibility not only to pray, but also to get to work. Are we being the kind of people? Are we being the kind of church that our neighbors in need can rely on? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.